Hello, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series in which we interview KPMG leadership and subject matter experts, as well as third-party and client executives and thought leaders on key global business, socioeconomic, and geopolitical market trends and topics. My name is Stan Lapique, the lead market research and thought leadership effort for the KPMG Global Management Consulting Practice, and I'm your host for this podcast series. And I'm pleased to have back with us again here today on Advice Worth Keeping, Mr. Edge Zarilla. Edge is a partner in the firm. He's located in Hong Kong. He's part of the China organization. But Edge is a man of the world and someone who can provide some great insights as we start to talk about top trends and predictions for the coming year overall globally, but especially from the perspective of his home base in Asia and in China. So Edge, thank you very much for joining us here today on this Advice Worth Keeping podcast. Good to be on, Stan. We recently released the KPMG Collective Global Predictions on Top Trends for the coming year, and there's a lot of commonality in the trends this year and prior years. There's a lot of concern around talent and where do you get the skills you need to drive your business forward. There's a lot of excitement around intelligent automation and robotics process automation and artificial intelligence data and analytics. There's also a recognition that these technologies will be challenging to fully exploit. But there's also a lot of nuances to that relative to an organization itself, to its industry, to where it operates globally. Maybe to start out from your perspective in Asia, what do you see as some of the top trends, both on the positive and the negative side in your market and in your travel with your clients? Yes, and it's a good question because pretty much aligned, I think, in Asia, to that uh, global trends that we've done. And I think if I can bring out probably specific ones, one for China, then I can actually talk about Asia. Uh, probably about four or five that I think is a major focus and it's getting a, not just a lot of press, there's a lot of investments. I mean, we have a lot of private equity VC coming through here into China, especially via Hong Kong. And where are people putting focus? First one is artificial intelligence. And I know you talked about the intelligence side. That tied with a number of the other ones I'm gonna talk about is actually quite hot and it still continues to be very, very hot. There's a lot of investment in Hong Kong. If you take 45 minutes, if not faster now, you're right into mainland China. Just across the border, we have in Shenzhen, Guangzhou, the Greater Bay Area that it's now being caught a lot and you'll probably see that and a lot of your listeners will hear that. The Greater Bay Area will be one of the biggest economies in its own right. It's just 54, 60 million people. And if you take a look at that area, AI and cognitive, it is the, the engine for China. Straight to related to that, with that heavy investment, is then to digital and e-commerce. It still continues to be the driving force, and especially as China goes more services and more consumer side, the innovation still going in that space continues to thrive a lot of investment. And Sam, what's important on this, and tie it with AI, and then another one, which is the whole facial recognition, and I know a lot of people have recognized that China, both for government uses, but also for consumer uses, is on the facial recognition side. You get these all tied together. It actually has a massive transformation on, if I call it the online, compares to the offline play in commerce. It is now starting to affect not just C to C, but also B to C and B to B. All of that side, it's literally transformational. Now, what is important about this, and I think it's a trend that the listeners need to be aware, people are looking to what's happening in China, especially about Asia, and you're starting to see the impact now of the Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam. 
these countries are now looking at how do you get technology, how do you bring people into the economy, and China has done. You've got a majority of the population now using these e-commerce platforms, which it is now being looked at at different other countries in ASEAN and elsewhere to actually also do it for their population. So for the first time, we're starting to see technology that's being driven out of China actually impacting the rest of Asia in a very big way. You have Alibaba, for example, moving into the ASEAN region and with the cloud, with the different technologies at the right price point, because you need to be aware, Sam, that these guys are playing over a massive population. It's just basic economics. So they can get a price point, which a lot of Western companies can't get to. All of these things and these trends are actually having a dramatic impact on the economies as well. Sounds like not only is it the pervasiveness of some of these advanced technologies, I think we've talked about a lot of their benefits, but I think if I understand correctly, what you're saying is that there's the ability of China to drive these out into the Asia markets at a price point where they're really going to be able to accelerate the adoption. So it's not so much a five to 10 year scenario, but maybe it's a three to five year scenario for adoption. So things might happen a lot faster than we may have been thinking about. That is a question I get asked a lot, and that is the crux of all of it, is how fast is this going to happen? I mean, if I go back, and if you and I were talking 10 years ago, none of us would believe that on one day, China would spend more on e-commerce than everyone else put together. Right. On one day, the singles day, right? It is now starting to happen across Asia. And by the way, I've always predicted in the press what that number will be. And let me tell you, the guys in Alibaba are a lot better than I am. They always bypass that number and they're very good at what they're doing. So if you take a look at it, and your points are extremely valuable. Where before, and I've been in the game for 32 years and 22 years as a partner, and I've always been on the technology side. If you take a look at it, I'm seeing change and these technologies are having an impact into the economy, into businesses, and it's doing disruption faster than we've ever seen in the last 30 years. And we in Asia, and I don't know, you know, is it a cultural thing? Is it a lack of legacy, lack of the infrastructure from the past? People are taking up this technology at a speed that sometimes you go, whoa, where are we getting to with this? It's just going very fast. And like what you said, it's not a 10-year window anymore. It's getting down to three to five years, although I did hear where people are saying, look, you're going to get it to 18 months where it has an impact. It's a great question because I'm seeing stuff happening so fast, and a lot of organizations are struggling because these technologies are not expensive technologies either, Stan, so be aware of it. A lot of the techs that are out there, you can transform a business, and I looked at one workflow tool for almost peanuts. It's not even what you would pay on your mortgage. You could actually roll it out to thousands of people and have a workflow that everyone in management can see it. Those tech is now being available, and once it gets into an organization, it goes viral very quickly. You can have a transformative impact in months rather than in years. So your question is a great one, and I'm seeing it that it is the next three to five years. And Asia is getting faster and faster all the time. As you introduce these technologies, you introduce it with a consumer, they demand more. And then it ends up impacting in corporates. Maybe turn that around a little bit, Edge, and think about perhaps some of the traditional KPMG clients or just traditional large organizations. We have advanced technologies at a low price point moving out very fast. We have very aggressive adoption by consumers. Are large organizations, big banks in Asia or insurance companies or manufacturers responding to this? Are they able to keep up? Because one thing that did come out from our research is one of the challenges organizations have with adopting these technologies is just their their legacy operating models, and they're just designed to move slowly. So do you see that big companies really can, can keep up yeah. here? 
this is an important question because the weighing down of your legacy, it's actually not the legacy system. The reason why I'm saying this, because people always throw it on that, it's actually legacy thinking. And I'll give an right, example. Right. On one client I've worked with in the last couple of years, it is the people wanting to adopt the technology are fantastic and they can roll it out in minuscule price, have impact, changing the whole culture of the organization, positive impact. It then gets caught, to be absolutely blunt, I've talked to many people, what you end up is in the, all the bureaucracy of the organizations that kill it. Because some of these technologies, when people talk about it's going to be a billion dollar program, 20 years to roll out, you don't need to do that anymore. With cloud technologies, with the new technologies, machine learning, all of that stuff, you can roll it out in months. I use the example about a workflow we've implemented with a client. We did it in a matter of weeks to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, almost a thousand people. That workflow was rolled out in two weeks. If you did it traditionally, Stan, and the old way of thinking about how you do it, it could have been rolled out. You would be lucky if within a five-year program. And it is old legacy thinking. It is not legacy systems. Being very blunt about it, because one of my architects, we've done stuff in a matter of weeks, which if you use the traditional approach, you would have taken years. The tech is there. People can do it. Organizations can do it. It's legacy thinking. Based on that legacy thinking, Ed, then, what do you think the future looks like? Is the future Google, Amazon, they do, Alibaba? They're getting into everything. If I'm a retailer, should I just retire now? Or is there still hope for the legacy firms? No, no, no. I said all the time. And especially living in Asia where people are facing those mega giants. And we've got a lot of them. Don't assume it's just U.S. Maybe I'm naively optimistic, but I am very optimistic that a lot of big organizations with legacy can actually adopt these technologies and follow with the right thinking to actually get to where they need to get to. And I'm very optimistic because I have seen not all an organization, but parts of an organization adapt to these new technologies and move very quickly. And then people go, well, how did that happen? I said, well, see, your organization can change. And it's just the way how you adopt this technology. It's a mindset. And it may sound like I'm being a little bit simplistic, but I have seen it change. And I am optimistic that a lot of large organizations can adapt it and can in the future. Because you've got to remember about this tech. It's not as expensive as the old big legacy systems. It took a long time. It doesn't need it anymore. The danger you have if the guys at the top force this way of bureaucracy, which is not required anymore. Now, be careful here. When I say that, people jump and say, well, you don't want control. No, no, no. Even design thinking, you still have to have controls, is actually knowing when you put that in place to make sure you don't get garbage. So what's key here is you still have appropriate governance, but not over governance. No, that makes sense. Maybe to wrap up, so we've talked a lot about the incredible technologies that are out there, the lowering price point, the aggressiveness of the consumer, the ability of even legacy organizations to take advantage of them. Where does the political side of this fit in? There's obviously a lot going on globally relative to organizations pulling back from globalization overall. There's a lot of populism. There's a lot of protectionism. There's certainly some disagreements between China and the U.S. on trade policies. And maybe some of this is just a normal readjustment. And I know we were chatting, but we collectively hope that everybody sits down and and works through this in an adult-like manner. But how serious do you see this being an impact on things? Is it a speed bump or do you think it's a change in direction? I personally think and hope it's a speed bump. What are your perspectives on how 
this needs to be addressed, but more importantly, as an organization involved with global trade and the adoption of some of these technologies, how should they think about this over the next two to three years? This is an important question, because we, and we can't avoid us facing it, and given what's happening across the globe, from the UK, the US, China, elsewhere. I'm hoping, like you are, you and I are optimists, that we end up, that this is just a speed bump, because I think what's happened across the globe, if we can ensure that it does get a lot more people. And I think what you get, the populist view, sometimes is a good thing. But at the moment, we do see some of the negative side where if it goes longer than a speed bump, you can read a lot of economists. I was recently on stage, we were debating this, is that you could end up having a world where you end up in regional trade only because people going enough, enough, bad for both Western and the Eastern side because people don't realize this is the world order now is that Asian trade now just within Asia is now bigger than trade with other parts of the world. So if we end up in a regionalized model, I don't think that's good for the world. So from my side, what I've really loved when I've seen technology get across the globe, all the sharing, the trades and going on and people passing information. And I've watched this with artificial intelligence. It is fantastic and great when the whole world does it. From my side, I hope it's a speed bump, but we have to be extremely careful. By the way, if people say, I'm not going to go with this country for supply chain, rest assured, there is always the free hand of the market that will find a way to deliver the goods they need to do, and they'll do it in a different way. may not be good for the world, may end up adding costs, but we've still end up doing something. I always don't like unintended consequence. We need to always think through our strategies. You said it beautifully, Stan, is how can we do it in an adult way? to make sure that we get an outcome that is a long-term vision rather than just having short-term bats. Because what's important here is the future of the planet. How do we ensure we use the tech and everything else to increase world trade where we actually get most of the population on the planet out of poverty, which has happened in the last 20 years? You know, we've got to look at it with statistics, not with just emotions, because the stats tell you that that's what's happened in the planet, and it's a great thing. Right. And I agree. I think collectively, everybody needs to look beyond the next election and think yeah, about yeah. the benefits that this can bring. Because you're right, the benefits that globalization has brought, particularly relative to poverty, have been clearly immense. Yeah. So, Edge, I think that's a good place to sign off. I think that's some very positive thinking, but also some words of caution that if everybody doesn't be a, a bit more adult-like and think beyond the next election or think beyond the next six months, we could have some challenges. But Edge, as always, thank you very much for your time. Great insights. And for our listeners, we will have some links out from the landing page for this podcast to a lot of other material that digs into some of the points Edge made today. Edge, as always, thank you very much for your time, and I hope we can get you back on advice worth keeping. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast that's a wrap thanks for your participation